Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Hello and welcome to the latest NAM Talks. Now, as always, uh, we have the live translations available in various languages. So to access them, you just need to click below on the interpretation button. And in addition, if you do have any questions, you can always contact us via our corporate email, which is nordiafunds at nordia.com. So, Today, we're going to take a look um, quite broadly at the markets, but with a particular focus on fixed income. And for that, I am joined by Carsten Bier, who is Head of Fixed Income Asset Allocation within Nordea's uh, multi-assets team. So good morning, Carsten. Good morning, Paul. So Carsten, um, to say that 2022 hasn't been the easiest of years for investors is probably a bit of an understatement. Um, perhaps the best starting point this morning would be to bring us up to speed on what we're seeing right now in the global bond markets. Yeah, what we're seeing right now is uh, is is truly historic uh, in yep. the sense that it has been, as you say, a, a, a very, very dramatic start to, to 2022. <laughs> um, it was uh, always to be expected that there would be some, let me say, increases in, in interest rates and bond yields due to to, to the world getting back on its feet after after the COVID crisis, etc. Uh, but that it should happen uh, all in more or less in, in four months and at both at the speed and the magnitude was was perhaps not written in the stars uh, when when we when we hit New Year. No. Um, so it has been by by all means it has been a, a historic and and and, and for once it's actually the first time uh, bond bear market that we have seen uh, if you if you look for instance at at a, a long duration uh, us treasury government bond index uh, it's actually the first time that we have seen a a drawdown in in, in such uh, such an index such a benchmark index uh, more than what you normally define as a bear market which is uh, in but equity markets that talk about bear markets is usually around a 20% drawdown and now we have actually seen a a 30% drawdown in in this uh, long treasury bond index um, it's crazy right it, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it, I mean, I think very few of us, uh, at least from our professional career, remembers much from what happened in the in the 70s. Uh, but we have probably heard about these uh, high inflation regimes and, and, and very high bond yields. But actually, looking at the, at the, at the mere drawdown that we have seen since the bond yields uh, troughed back in, in 2020, uh, what we've seen this time exceeds the, uh, the losses that bond investors uh, experienced in, in nominal terms back in, back in the 70s. I saw somewhere that you have to go back to 1780 something to see a drawdown as sharp as what we've just seen. Yeah, it, that, 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 I mean, it, that might be the case. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite uh, unusual for, 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 for us to, to go back to, 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 these, to, to several decades back when, when we look at, at financial data. We actually don't have that much data when, when you get that long back in time. Um, but the difference this time is, of course, also that, that yields have moved up by... Uh, two and a half, uh, two and a half to, to three percent um, since uh, since right after COVID. Uh, but it has come at a time where there has been very little caution 
provided by the coupons, so to speak. So, so back in the 70s, you had much higher yields that, that gave, gave you a caution towards uh, rising interest rates. Uh, and that caution has not been here this time. So that makes it, of course, uh, much more violent in that sense. Mm. So you had a couple of slides with you today. Yes, I have a couple of slides uh, just to 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 illustrate uh, just how, how how crazy it has been, and 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 apart from the fact that we have seen this uh, very significant increase in in bond yields that has made it made it a really rough ride for uh, for for government bonds and 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 duration sensitive uh, assets. We have also seen, as you can see on the on the next slide here, we also seen something that is uh, another feature or another let me say market characteristic that is very unusual uh, because normally we we tend to see a negative correlation uh, i mean reversal reversal correlation between credit spreads and, and and bond yields so so for instance during the financial crisis when when credit spreads rose sharply it was accompanied by falling bond yields so so what you lost on on your credit exposure you, you could to some extent regain on 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 having some duration on on the books um, that has been the, the case for, for most of the time. And if you look, go back uh, one or two decades, you can see that, that most of the correlation that you have seen historically is, is below zero, or at least only slightly on, on the positive side. What we have seen this time is, is, uh, is, is quite dramatic in the sense that the correlation has also turned against, against bond investors. So apart from suffering from a, a rising interest rate and bond yield environment, we have also seen credit spreads widening at the same time mm -hmm. with a, a quite high positive correlation, really, with the highest positive correlation that we have seen for, 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 for many years. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure that, that all, all of us remember the financial crisis and, and what happened to, to, uh, to corporate bonds uh, during the financial crisis. And that was uh, by all means a, a, an awful uh, period to, to, to be investor, but, but actually looking at the drawdown you have seen in, 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 in standard high quality European corporate bonds this time actually exceeds the drawdown that investors faced during the financial crisis. Because during the financial crisis you had some caution from falling interest rates and falling bond yields when, when spreads rose. This time you have had, when you say, been slapped on, on, on both sides of, of the gin in the sense that both on the duration side and on the credit side, we have seen uh, widening uh, and, and, and higher, higher yields. Uh, so, I mean, and it, it goes so fast every day. So even though that I updated this chart of, uh, uh, a few days ago, actually now the drawdown in, in European investment grade bonds is actually uh, closer to 10% than, than the 9% that we show here. It's, um, so it is truly dramatic in that sense and exceeds uh, both the losses during the financial crisis and, and during COVID, which I'm sure everybody also invested at, and that was also a, a pretty pretty rough ride for 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 for, for corporate bonds. So, without wishing to put too fine a point on it, it's pretty clear that the investors are sort of running scared right now. But the question, I guess, is where do you run to? Yeah, where do you run to? Is uh, it's 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 really difficult because it's it's really hard to to find shelter in in the sense that. Uh, if you if you if you seek some protection in 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 duration exposures, then you will be be hit, as you can see also uh, from 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 the chart that that government bonds uh, of of 
almost all maturities have, have been hit severely. Uh, if you go to, to the other end of the fixed income universe, so the more risky part, if you go to uh, emerging market, uh, emerging market debt or, or, or high yield, uh, US high yield or, or European high yield, you have also seen quite uh, severe losses. Um, so it has really, there hasn't really been anywhere to hide. Uh, and in that sense, it's, this is difficult from last year because last year you also saw rising interest rates uh, and bond yields, but, but spreads actually did okay. So last year you could, if you were just located investment-wise in, in the riskiest part in, in the high yield space, you actually were able to get a, a, a positive return on your investment. But this year there has been negative, negative returns all over the place. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Um... Maybe it's worth spending a couple of minutes just looking at what's driven this particularly violent sell-off in, like you were saying, both defensive and, and perhaps the more risky uh, fixed income assets. Yeah, I think to understand why, why we have ended up in this uh, messy in market environment for fixed income, we, we have to go, go back a couple of years to, to, uh, to, to COVID and, and, and the reaction to COVID. Uh, I think when, 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 when the COVID pandemic hit us, uh, there was... There were, were essentially no limits to how far uh, policymakers would go uh, to, to, to weather the crisis and, and, and try to, to, to bridge uh, the, the, the production, uh, you may say, gap, the production loss that, that, that naturally followed from COVID. Uh, so we had this uh, completely unprecedented easing of, of the fiscal policy, uh, creating the largest uh, budget deficits that we have seen in peacetime. Mm. Uh, and you also had a massive uh, monetary policy response with rate cuts, uh, quantitative easing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, but, but perhaps what the politicians and, and the policymakers in general uh, uh, kind of ignored was that, that COVID was just as much a, a supply issue as a demand issue. So, so what, they, what you could do with fiscal policy and monetary policy is to bridge demand. Uh, and you did that very effectively in the sense that what you saw, actually saw was that real household income actually rose during the, the pandemic. It is the, yeah. it's the first recession in, in history where you have seen an increase in real disposable household income. Yeah. Um, but there was very little, or if anything at all, that, that you can say politicians and policymakers could do about uh, the output side. Uh, the, the fact that you actually had a, a pretty severe stop in, 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 this, uh, in the supply chains. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that initially led to an increase in demand and, uh, and, and uh, that pushed up, you can say, commodities prices and goods prices. Uh, since then, we have seen some, some tightening of, uh, of both the fiscal policy and we have also seen a, a, a leveling out in demand uh, due to the fact that uh, purchasing power has been, been eroded. But, but you, and then you would ask yourself, why are commodities and good prices then continuing up? I mean, mm. if you look at the charts here, China, which is the biggest importer of, of commodities in, in the world, the Chinese imports are currently growing at, at, a, at a zero rate, uh, but nevertheless, this momentum, upward momentum in goods prices have continued. And all this can, can really only be, be explained by the fact that you have seen uh, a, 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 a several negative shocks to, to the supply chain. Uh, to some extent, it all, all of it started before 
before uh, COVID uh, in the sense that uh, this uh, wave of, of ESG related, uh, you would say the, the green transition has led to a, a quite severe underinvestment in, in basic materials and resources. Mm -hmm. uh, but then came COVID uh, clocking up the supply chain even further. And then finally, uh, what we've seen more, more recently is, is, is of course uh, the, 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 the war in Ukraine, uh, which has also even pushed up further uh, the, the, the price prices that you have seen on, on, on commodities and goods prices. So it's a, it's a string of, of negative supply shocks that followed uh, on, uh, that has been, you can say, followed after COVID. And, and this, is, this is really quite unusual for us. I mean, uh, very few of us have actually are old enough to have experienced for real uh, negative supply shocks of, of the magnitude. This is something that, we can read about uh, what happened in, in the 70s, uh, etc., but but not so, not something that many of us have have experienced in our, our professional career, and neither have the central bankers and, and the politicians really. Um, and the best way to show just how severe you say the supply lag, uh, or, or how much we are lagging on the supply, that is just to, to look at the number of oil rigs in in operation. Uh, normally, there's fine correlation between the oil price and the number of oil rigs that are actually in running in operation. But as you can see now with an oil price of approximately $100 a barrel, you would expect approximately 3,000 or 3,500 rigs to be, be, be up and running, but it's, it's closer to half of that. Uh, so so it, is, it is really a, a very negative supply environment that, that we are, are seeing. And that has pushed inflation up. And as inflation are being pushed up, that pushed up uh, interest rates and bond yields. And, and here you go. Yeah. And you mentioned there at the, the beginning, you were talking about the central banks and the part that they played in all of this. Um, what, to what extent do you agree with what they've done so far? And, and also, what do you think they're looking to achieve sort of moving forward? Yeah, I, I mean, the central bankers are in an extremely difficult position because on the, on the one hand, they have uh, their, their inflation targets, and, and, and uh, that is, of course, something that they are pretty far from, from, from achieving their, their goals and the targets with, with the current inflation rates that we see. I mean, we just have had some, some, some new numbers on, on, uh, on, on US uh, CPI and, and there is a little bit of a uh, of a tendency to a peak, but it's still running at a, at, at very high levels. Uh, and at the same time, you have uh, a, a a quite significant slowdown in uh, in, in 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 business confidence. Uh, so business confidence is of course hit by the fact that you have uh, this erosion of of purchasing power, and and that also goes for consumer confidence. If you look at at Europe, for instance, consumer confidence is just as bad as, as, as it was during the financial crisis and, 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 and during COVID more or less. Uh, but also on the business side, businesses are now expecting a much, much gloomier uh, outlook than, 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 than just, a, just, a, just a few months ago. So, so the situation that we have, as, as I tried to illustrate with this supply and, and, and demand framework here is that we had you have had a, a, a string of negative supply issues coming from, from the green transition, coming from, from COVID and coming from now more, most recently uh, Russia and Ukraine. Um, and normally what central bankers would do in such a situa situation is just to sweat it out. Central bankers can control demand. They cannot 
do much about supply. So if there is a change in, in the supply conditions, so the, the standard central bank response in, in, in case, uh, you can say, uh, inflation expectations are not of, out of control, which they are not at the moment, they are still running at, at levels that we have seen many, many years uh, over, uh, the, over the, the, the past couple of decades. So they are not out of control. So normally central bankers would be sitting a little bit tight uh, because they have uh, either explicitly or at least implicitly a, a dual mandate to secure both stable inflation, but also to, to secure financial stability and, and underlying growth and, and employment in the economy. Mm. Uh, but this time, the central bankers have, have become really spooked by the fact that you have seen these uh, the highest inflation rates that you have seen for, for 40 years or yeah. I mean, it depends a little bit from country to country how far we have to go back, but we are talking several decades here. Um, and that has made them quite concerned and, and led to a, a strong consensus within the central bank community that now we need to secure price stability. Hmm. And the only, only thing that they can do to secure price stability in, 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 in a situation with a negative supply shock is to to tighten demand, and that means tighten monetary policy um, and, and through tighter financial conditions. Um, and, and I'm sure that they will succeed because, I mean, I mean, this is where they have a strong track record. They have been fighting inflation in previous decades with, with success. They know how to do it. They know uh, uh, also they also have, uh, you can say, the available tools for it. Uh, so I'm quite sure that they will succeed in, in, in killing inflation. but. But it goes without saying, if you have a negative supply shock and your response is to tighten demand, then there will be a quite substantial uh, impact on, on output, uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the global output, in, uh, economic output. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, the, the situation that we are looking into at the moment. Um, so, so there are some people who say saying that the central banks are, are behind the curve. Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to that uh, argument because the central banks have really, even though that they have not you say, raised interest rates uh, that many times, ECB hasn't started yet, uh, Fed has done it a couple of times, mm. but through their communication and through their forward guidance, they have actually managed to tighten financial conditions very substantially. I mean, we now have equity markets down by uh, double-digit percentage points. We have uh, bond markets down by double-digit percentage points, et cetera, et cetera. And all this has led to a, a very significant tightening of financial conditions in the global economy. Yeah. And if you add to that, which I'm trying to do here in this slide, where I calculate the, uh, the impact of changes in bond yields and changes in equity prices. Uh, and if I add to that, the, 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 the fact that you have had a very significant uh, increase in, in oil prices and commodity prices, which erodes purchasing power, then the combined negative growth impact from, from all these uh, say financial condition factors and commodity market factors are actually the most negative uh, combined growth impact that we have seen uh, since the early 90s or, or even further back. Mm. Uh, so, so here I'm actually using the Fed's own model uh, and, and calculating using their, their, their statement multipliers to see what is, the, what is the impact. And currently we are still you see, benefiting from, from, from easy financial conditions that, that prevailed some, some, some months ago, uh, but looking 
six to 12 months ahead, you can see that the, the negative, the, the, the positive impact is, is from of approximately 2% is changing to a very severe negative impact, uh, which is going to force a further deceleration in business confidence, et cetera. Which I guess brings us to the, the next question, which is, you know, the outlook for, for fixed income markets based on everything you've said, you know, as, as you were saying, you know, the 10-year yield has gone from 0.6 to was it three now? Um, so the market's sort of doing some of the work for the Fed already. Perhaps we're starting to see some signs now of you know demand destruction uh, in in some of the leading indicators. So you know w- where does this leave the fixed income markets? You know what are we going to be seeing in the months ahead now? Yeah, as as you say, we we have seen a, a very dramatic repricing. Uh, in the sense that that you now have U.S. ten-year uh, Treasury yields uh, at approximately three percent instead yeah. of being at at half a percent as it was a, a couple of years ago, uh, and at the same time we are looking into a a a, a slowdown, uh, probably a, a notable slowdown uh, in, in in the global economy, which will also relieve uh, the pressure on on inflation, and it will also relieve some of the pressure on the central banks to actually deliver. The massive tightening that markets are are, are currently uh, anticipating, mm-hmm. um, so so that is make that is makes a, a, a you can say a much more prosperous uh, future environment for fixed income than than the one that we, we comes from. Um, his, looking at it historically, three percent yield in the U.S. If you look at the past two three decades or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Three percent is not a bad yield. If you look at it, uh, when we have had a three percent yield to uh, effective yield on on a ten-year treasury, and looking at the one-year returns that has been offered by by this yield one year later, you can see from 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 the chart here that essentially all the all the, the observations are in positive territory. There are actually quite a few observations in in the negative territory, meaning that there has been a positive one year return on 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 buying a 10 year government bond in the US at, at a yield of, of 3%. Um, so so we are you can say in a much more normalized fixed income environment now where where, where you can expect positive returns ahead while and and, and negative returns from 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 rising uh, rising bond yields and combining that with the fact that we have seen a a coinciding sell off of of duration risk and credit risk at the same time, meaning the spread credit spread has also widened. Uh, we are now seeing, for instance, looking at, 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 at the right-hand chart here, we're uh, looking at a combined yield from, from uh, a German uh, five-year government bond, combining that with, with, with the cre- five-year credit spread uh, from, from uh, five-year uh, high-yield credit spread from Europe. You can see that, that we are now having looking into coupons uh, before defaults of around 5%, which yeah. is um, which is a, a high level. I mean, uh, you, you, you could momentarily, you, you could have picked up a higher yield with a perfectly uh, timed entry point around COVID. But apart from COVID, you have to go back all the way back to uh, to, to, to the years just after the European uh, sovereign debt crisis, et cetera, to, to, to get a yield of, of what we are seeing here. Uh, so that makes me that makes me kind of constructive on on fixed income returns uh, going forward. Obviously, you, you could argue that if 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 our 
assumption of a slowdown in the economy is, is going to, to, to is being fulfilled and it's going to be a more substantial slowdown, then of course there will also come some, some pressure on, on, the, uh, on, on defaults, on corporate defaults, and, and not necessarily all the, the spreads offered in, in corporate bonds will be delivered. There will be some downgrades, there will be some defaults, etc. But we are at the same time coming from a very, very benign default environment. We have almost the lowest, uh, you can say, number of insolvencies and bankruptcies that uh, in, in both US and Europe that we have seen for, 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 for a very, very long time. Um, and the reason is that, that corporates are actually doing fairly well in terms of their credit uh, fundamentals. If you look at the, at the net debt uh, compared to their, uh, to, to, to their profits, uh, it, it's at the lowest level that you have seen since uh, the 70s. And that is normally something that correlates very nicely with the, with the default cycle. And, and, and if you look at it also from a flow basis, you can actually see that corporates, both in US and, and, and Europe today, uh, have a positive cash flow, meaning that they earn more money than they spend. Uh, this is quite unusual. Normally, corporates will have a negative cash flow in the sense that they invest into the future, so they uh, spend more on investing into the future than they actually get in. That is how you can say the economic ecosystem works. But right now, we have a positive savings ratio both among households and among the corporates, which is, of course, uh, not good for future growth, but it is very good for, uh, for, for, for debt fundamentals and, and credit fundamentals. Carsten, we, we've achieved the impossible, or the almost impossible. We've got some positive news for our audience out there. Uh, the future, there's, there's this little slither of hope here that, uh, that things are, are going to get better, at least in the fixed income market uh, in the months ahead. Good. Should we do uh, the quick uh, the takeaways for today? And then um, what I'd like to do is just ask you if you've got anything uh, you'd like to, to add at the end there. So um, if we just bring up the, the main takeaways from today's discussion, uh, first of all, the bear market that we've experienced uh, this year is one for the fixed income history books. Uh, this is going to go down as being one of the biggest drawdowns we've ever seen in fixed income. And that speed uh, is, is incredible and something that we very, very rarely see. Secondly, we have the global supply shocks, uh, which combined with the business and the consumer expectations have been in free fall. And that has meant that there was really nowhere to hide in the fixed income markets, both uh, conservative and the more aggressive side. Uh, and that's what's made it so difficult uh, in the last uh, six months. Central banks do have the tools and they also have the experience to manage inflation. And uh, there are perhaps some signs that that could actually be peaking right now. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, you heard it here first. Um, and then we've also talked about the erosion of purchasing power and the tighter uh, um, financial conditions that are likely to further slow down the economy. So, you know, an economic um, slowdown and therefore different pressures actually um, on central banks, but also on the markets. And then finally, we have the higher yield bonds um, and we have uh, wider credit spreads and um, that's revived the future fixed income returns. Um, and at the same time, also corporate credit is supported by the low default rate. So we may see a slight uptick, but uh, in the scheme of things, uh, relatively benign. So um, I think those were the main point. So yeah, Carsten, did you have anything to add to this? 
Yeah, just to to uh, to to be be a little bit you know, before we get too enthusiastic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it is still a difficult environment. Uh, when we look ahead, you have days of risk, of course, that yields can go further further up, uh, at least temporarily. There is also a, a risk that that credit spreads can can rise. So, so you still need you still need as a fixed income investor to 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 be more you would say. Uh, adaptive to the environment, more flexible in, in, in the way that, that, that you look at things, uh, because correlations can, can still be, 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 uh, be running at the wrong side of, of the zero line, etc. So, so yeah. we, are, we are very you say, aware uh, still in, 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 in what we do in terms of, of, of not getting, uh, getting overrun by, by these uh, difficult market environments. Yeah, so for me, that means you know, active management, for sure. Um, potentially, you know, we see you have your flexible fixed income uh, strategy that you run. We also have a flexible credit strategy uh, in, in the product range. And um, yeah, well, actually, potentially the European covered bond opportunities uh, that we also have that solution. So a couple of ideas that, that might be worth considering there. And obviously, that's not financial advice, um, but uh, perhaps worth a look. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Carsten. Uh, great to see you. Super, super interesting uh, as ever. And look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Take care, Paul. Great. Before we sign off, um, if you're looking for more information on our views and also investment solutions, then please do go and visit uh, www.nordiaassetmanagement.com. That's Nordia Asset Management all written together. That's it for this time and look forward to the next. Thank you.